Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. He said, I am certain. I am certain. Being confident of this very thing, he says, being confident. You know, I've, I've learned in life where you place your confidence is where you will tend to see your results. Where you place your confidence is where you'll tend to see your results. And sometimes I think, you know, the lack of results that we may be seeing is, it's obviously not a lack of God and what he can do. His capability, but our ability to rest in and rely in and become confident in. There's so many things that come in life to shake or shift our confidence. The things that we rely on and the things that we depend on, the things that we believe in, the things that we are assured of. But God's word is something that is never uh, up one day and down the next. You ever tried to trust in somebody or rely on somebody and they were just so shifty and shaky and, and, and up one day, down the next, and it's like, man, I want to trust in you. I want to believe in you. I want to I, I be assured that you'll do this or come through with that, but, you know, I, I, I can't. You, we have good days. We have bad days. We have highs. We have lows. One day, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, cherry blossoms and roses, and the next day, you're just down. In the, what? Give me something to rely on. I need some consistency, right? I need some consistency. And so when we measure God and his consistency on what's happening around us or what's happening to us, then we are measuring God on the wrong indicators. And when we use the wrong indicators, we'll come to the wrong conclusions. When I use the wrong indicators of God's faithfulness in my life, I'll come to the wrong conclusions. God, you've left me. God, you've neglected me. God, you've abandoned me. God, you walked away. God, you're not answering. God, you're not calling. God, you're not. And those are the wrong indicators. Those are the, the wrong things to measure God's faithfulness by. And so we have to be careful what we are stapling our confidence in God on. What am I planting my confidence in God in? Paul is writing this verse from a prison cell. Paul's writing this verse in Philippians chapter 1. He's writing from a prison. He's writing from jail. If anybody could lack confidence in God, it could be Paul at this moment. Could you imagine somebody worse off than you trying to encourage you in your daily walk? He's writing this letter to the Philippian church. He's writing this, this, this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's working on their confidence from a prison cell. What does that tell me? That my environment doesn't have to determine what I believe on the inside. What I'm in, what I'm going through, what I'm challenged with, what I'm up against, that's not where I that's not where my confidence lies. And so he says, "Look, until you get confidence like I have confidence, then you're going to be up and down. You're going to be wavering through life." Until you get confidence like I have, that even when I'm in the pit, even when I'm in the bottom, even when everyone's abandoned me, he even says in the next chapter, in chapter 2, I think around verse 12, that everybody's left me except Timothy. I think Timothy's the only one that I have that has stayed with me. 
mean, it's one thing to be oppressed and, and beaten up and challenged by those against you. But then when those that are supposed to be on your side leave you, when those that are supposed to be locked, you know, in arms with you, have your back, but instead are putting knives in your back. I mean, that, you, you talk about what he's up against. You talk about what he's challenged. I mean, you know, I can't remember the number of times that he says rejoice in this verse. He says rejoice, and again I say rejoice. So in case you forgot, rejoice. This is the book where he writes, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. This is the book where he says, may the God of peace keep you. See, we want the peace of God, but we don't want the God of peace. He says, may the God of peace keep you. Even when it's not a peaceful situation, even when it's not a peaceful moment, you can still have the God of peace with you because my peace is not, we used to sing a song, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This peace that I have, this joy that I have, this freedom that I have, this love that I have, the world didn't give me and the world can't take it away. Away. And so whoever is carrying your joy and your peace and your love and your freedom, you live at their mercy. You live at their mercy. Some of us are living at the mercy of things that we were never intended to live dependent upon, tied to, live by. No, he says, I'm certain of this. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you. It might be good, but it's still work. What's that mean? It's a process to this thing. Sometimes we have this idea that God snaps his fingers and things are done. But sometimes God begins things that he has to see through to completion. And it's good, but it's still work. There's still work involved. We're still working on getting somewhere. We're still seeing progress, and we're still advancing. And in a world that pushes back on progress, in a world that wants to throw it in the microwave and snap the fingers and it's done, I've already got my result. We have to see things through to completion with God. He says, I began a good work. He began a good work within you. Where is he working? He's working in my life. Before he can work through you, he has to work in you. See, many of us are addressing issues on the wrong level. We're addressing them on the outside, and God is pointing us to the inside. He's saying, let me work on the heart. Let me work on the attitude. Let me work on the character. Let me work on your faith. And we want God to work on our stuff without working on us. But he says, I began the good work within you, that same God, the verse says, will continue. So he began it, and he will continue. He's, he will, will you let God continue to work on, in you and on you? Will you let God continue? Did we just follow the first command God gave and then abandon the other nine that, that, are, that come to follow it? Sometimes we start out good, but we don't stay good. We start out on the right path, but we don't stay on the right path. And I know this, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. You can start 
walking out of Egypt, but the finish line is when you cross over into the promised land. So we need to recognize that, sure, I started out, and we can all look back to that day I gave my life to God, that that day that I committed this marriage to him, that day that I committed my parenting to him, that day that, that I walked away and said no more of that. But are we continuing, continuing, staying? Where I start is where I need to stay. And then he says he will continue his work until it is finally finished. The New King James reads, a good work in you that he will complete it. God will see it to completion. God is not a God that leaves anything left undone. He doesn't leave it halfway. God God is not building for you a life where you're going to have to pick up the scraps. I mean, who, who wants somebody to build them a house that says, I'll get you three quarters of the way. The rest of it's up to you. The finishing touches. The finishing touches are the most important. The finishing touch. You don't ever want to get left halfway through. You don't want half a wall, half a garage, uh, half a roof. That doesn't help, does it? God is not a halfway God. God is not a three quarters of the way God. God is not a 98% God. God is a 100% all the way through until completion and until you see how long do I keep believing, Pastor Mark? How long do I stand in faith for this marriage, Pastor Mark? How long do I believe for my healing, Pastor Mark? Until you see the result. Until it has come to completion. If it is not finished, he's still working. Don't pull out. Don't give up. Don't uproot. Stay with what God said to do. Well, what do I do next? You keep doing now what he told you last. I see so many people get so consumed with what comes next, and they begin to abandon what they have to do now. What comes next? You'll know when you get there, when you're ready, when you need to know. You ever notice God operates on a need-to-know basis? There's a lot of things we thought we needed to know. He gives you just what you need. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can bear. Go with me to John chapter 5. I've ministered on this, this story and this reference before, but in light of the work, in light of the work that God is doing, I want us to see God's work in our lives through to completion. How about you? I want to see him perform and do and, and use us for his glory. How many of you want to be used for the glory of God? You want your testimony used for the glory of God. You want your story used for the glory of God. You want your life used for the glory of God. Man, if, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to Wednesday's message. We ministered on significance. The power of significance. Everybody's striving and looking for and living for significance in their life. You want what you do to matter. You want what you do and how you live and, 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 and what you're consumed by to leave a mark in the end. To leave a mark. To leave a legacy. To impact somebody. And if we want to be quite honest about it, you don't want to just impact those around you. You want your impact to be felt for years and years to come. 
That's what we all want. And God created you with significance. The message was where significance starts, and God always starts with significance. We're not trying to become significant. You start significant. And if you could start seeing through the lens of significance in every moment, in every challenge, every adversity, every victory, if you could see what God deems as significant, I promise you, you will start walking out significance in your life. We're not waiting on it. We're walking it out. We, we are living it out daily. Every day of my life is significant. Every moment is significant. And it's up to me to see it that way. We all want that. But we all have adversities. We all have challenges. Or as we're going to find with this man in John chapter 5, dysfunctions. Oh, we have dysfunctions, don't we? We have dysfunctions. Some might be visible, as we'll see. Some might be invisible. John chapter 5, verse 17, I want you to look at this verse first. John chapter 5, verse 17. But Jesus answered them. This is in the um, Christian standard, the CSB. John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus responded to them. And he said, my father is still working, and I am working also. My father is still working, and I am working also. You know, God is working on something. He's working on something. Paul said, I'm certain of this. I'm confident in this. I'm assured of this. He who began a good work, he's working. We just sing. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He's moving. He's healing. He's touching. But what does that look like? When I'm in the midst of adversity, when I'm in the midst of dysfunction, when I'm in the midst of toxicity, when I'm in the midst of unhealthiness, where can I see God working in my life? How can I see him moving in my life? And on what level is he working? When we back up to verse 1, John chapter 5 and verse 1, after this, the Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. 38 years he had been disabled. 38 years he had lived with this disability, this dysfunction. It doesn't rightly tell us offhand what the disability is because look, sometimes we just don't need to highlight what the devil's doing. Sometimes all we do by labeling dysfunctions, we talked about labels and limitations last week, didn't we? Uh, and, and look at how many people in the Bible had labels. We don't know the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. We know her condition. We call Bartimaeus what? Blind man Bartimaeus. 
right? That's his label. What do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas? Why do we label these things? Why do we put these conditions on? Why do we highlight our insecurities, our failures, our dysfunctions, our, our disabilities? And let me just go ahead and address this right offhand in case there's anyone trying to exclude yourself from the list. We all have a disability. We all have a dysfunction. It's called sin. One man sinned, we all sinned. We were all brought into this world with a disability. The question is not if I have a dysfunction. The question is, what is my dysfunction? What is the disability? What is the hindrance? What is the thing that's challenging the life of God inside of me? And look, I'm going to tell you right now, I see plenty of people that come out of the world into, into the kingdom of God, come out of darkness into light. But guess what comes with that? Guess what they drag in? The disabilities and the dysfunctions and the messes. Now, God is the redeemer and God is the restorer. But here's what I see a lot of believers do. They do not give God access to their dysfunction. And God cannot heal what you hide. God cannot restore what you keep down within. God cannot deal with and mess up. Remember, he's working. We're not talking past tense. We're talking present. He's moving right now. He's healing right now. He's touching right now. He's working right now. But will you let him? Or will you hide it? You know, read through the Bible in case you, you're, you're feeling really good about yourself this morning. And man, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I don't have a lot of dysfunction. I'm a, read through the Bible and look at the jacked up, messed up people God is picking to bring his kingdom to earth. I mean, we're talking murderers, liars, cheaters, adulterers, fornicators, uh, uh, thieves, robbers. I mean, you're just, you know, that's a messed up group of people. If you just want to take the resume, if you just want to look at people's lives and their history and what they've done or what they've accomplished or what they've proven. And these are the people that God seems to be handpicking. He's not picking them out of default. He's not picking them because, well, you know, nobody else would do it or I turned everybody else turned me down. So I guess we'll go with you, Abraham. I mean, all these other people having kids, none of them wanted to be the father of many nations. So I guess we'll pick this guy. No, he picked that guy selectively. He chose you by selection. He, you are the adopted child of God in his family. And you are royalty and you are greatness and you have the God living inside of you. And he handpicked you and plucked you out of that stuff. But that doesn't mean we don't have to deal with it. I found in life that what I deny never changes. I found in life <clears throat> that if I live my life in denial, I'm living my life absent and, 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 and neglecting the very power of God to change and challenge and confront the mess in my life. I don't want to live that way. I don't know about you. I don't want to live doing so with, with, with all my effort and all my work to conceal what God wants to heal. 
and it rhymes, and it makes it memorable in your brain. But we do it every day. We do it. It said this man was laying in a, in, in, by a pool, surrounded by others that are disabled. Because when you're disabled, the most comfortable thing to do is surround yourselves with others that are struggling just as much as you. And sometimes the environments we pick and to, to, to conceal and to make us comfortable and to keep things hidden. And, you know, look, when, when you're surrounded with people with disabilities, you can start playing the, um, well, at least I don't have that. You ever notice how we highlight other people's disabilities? We highlight others' dysfunctions to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves, make us feel a little bit better. The company we keep is either challenging us to grow or comforting us to stay where we're at. And some people don't want to get around stronger people and get around strong believers and get around those with great marriages because it intimidates them because my marriage isn't doing so well. But maybe the, 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 the marriages that you are staying around and the people you are staying around are keeping you stuck where you're at. Because I don't, I, I mean, I, I've heard ministers say this, you know, I don't ever want to be the smart, I don't ever want to be the smartest one in the room. I want to be around people that are going to challenge me to think bigger, challenge me to think greater. I mean, you're running a business of 100,000 a year, get in the room with someone that's running a business making a million a year. But when you're making 100,000, you can get around the ones that are making 50,000 and feel like you got something. You're doing something. I'm accomplishing something. Look at the greatness. They're all coming to me for answers. But at some point, we have to take a look at the environment we're keeping. And I'll tell you this, the devil will make sure he accommodates your disability. He will make sure he accommodates. He'll make sure. See, this started out as a disruption in this man's life, but now it's become a condition. It's become a condition. So much so, have you ever noticed that we learn to live with disability? You'll learn to function with it. You'll learn to operate with hurt and pain in your heart. You'll learn to, to, to live with the disapproval of others uh, and the intimidation factor. You'll learn to live on a lower level and below the standard that God has for you. I see people, believers, do it all the time. Living below God's best. I mean, if I could sum up in, in, in one sentence my heart and my passion, it's to see people live God's best for their lives. And I see people stuck below the standard. Less than what God intended. And we have the word of God that shows us what his intentions are. For these are the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. But yet they still believe that God's ready to strike them down at any given moment. How does that concur with the thoughts that I have towards you, says thoughts for good and not for evil? How, does, how do you reconcile that? How do you come to the conclusion that he's abandoned you, neglected you, 
when my Bible tells me he called me out of darkness into light. When my Bible tells me about the plan and the purpose that he has. But before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you and destined you and gave you a call. How do we come to the conclusion that the things that we believe about God and the things that we believe about his plan, it's because we've believed a lie. It's because we've put more focus on the dysfunction than his ability to heal it. Than his ability to work it and do something with it. And this individual says for 38 years, one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years years look nothing nothing profitable ever grows when we neglect it nothing profitable think about it in your garden right now what grows if you leave it alone between now and six months from now and some of y'all are looking at me like I don't have a garden I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) Take a good guess. Weeds. You can put it this way. The only stuff that grows through neglect is the stuff you don't want. It's the stuff you don't want. And so, if we aren't careful, we'll be denying the very thing that God wants to heal. The disability. The dysfunction. But if we won't deal with it over time, we'll begin to accept the condition. Accept the disability. We begin to learn to manage the dysfunction rather than let go and give it to God. He's working. Jesus said, my father has been working until now. And I am. I'm working. He showed up to this man to do work. He showed up this man to get his purpose accomplished. In fact, he, he, he shares in those verses toward the end. He says, I only do what my father tells me to do. If you see me doing something, it's because my father started it. I'm just finishing it. I'm doing what he called me. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And now you know what God is interested in because you know what I'm interested in. Now you know what, how God sees this thing because you've seen me work. You've seen me do something. And it's giving you a better picture of who God is. And so as we begin to come to church, as we begin to get in his word, you know, the Bible tells us that the word of God is, is like a mirror. Right? You want to learn about yourself? Get in the word. You want to learn who you are? Get in the word. It tells you all about it. But you know what else it does? It will also tell you all the stuff that needs to be corrected, challenged, disrupted, co- fixed. And if, 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 if I won't If I won't challenge the dysfunction, then the only alternative is to accept it. 
If I won't challenge what's broken, if I won't challenge what needs to be healed, if I won't challenge what I'm seeing and and, and the struggles and and how I'm feeling and, and what I'm thinking, if I won't challenge it with the word of God, then the only alternative is to then accept it as this is the way it's always going to be. Accepting a, a standard below what God wants for them. If we don't challenge the condition, you'll become comfortable with it. You'll find yourself in environments with others in the same challenge you have, but not able to help you. Not able to do anything for you. And here's the, here's the other thing that will happen, is you will reject the environments where you can get help. You ever watch someone that you knew was only hurting themselves or surrounding themselves with people that made them feel comfortable? And if they ever ended up in an environment where someone would challenge them, help them, develop them, grow them, they rejected it. They pushed back. They couldn't maintain it. I know it doesn't feel good, but it's what you need. And we have to get away from the feel-good church. We have to get away from the the believers that only come to church with what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. We need to get away from people that only want shepherds and accountability in their life when they're there to tell them how great their gifts are and how awesome you're doing. But then when the challenge and the accountability and the real shepherding and the correction starts to show up, then we push back and say, oh, what kind of pastor are you? I'm going to find a different church. I'm going to find different church members. I mean, some of us complain about going to church with people we don't like, but you go to work with people you don't like, and you still work there. I left church because they were mean. You're still working at a place with mean people. (laughs) There are more dysfunctional people at your work than there are at this church. At least we're all here willing to admit we got stuff we need to work on. At least we're all here willing to admit I need to grow, I need to develop, bring to light. The the sin is, when, when sin is concealed and when sin is hidden, it can't be corrected. And sure, we have a lot of churches that don't want to confront sin and don't want to challenge sin or don't want to help you in whatever, sure there are. Absolutely. But there are still churches in the earth today that believe that a holy God makes a demand for holy Christians, holy believers, and will point you on the way to righteousness. And will do it in a way that says there's so much more in your future if you would lay this down. There's so much more ahead of you if you would let this go. There is so much more God wants for you if you abandon this lifestyle, abandon this thinking, abandon this process, and let this go. Not accommodate your mess. We live in a world that wants to accommodate sin. We live in a world that wants to be more inclusive and accepting rather than drawing the line and say, this is where the line is and life is on the side of the line. Health is on this side of the line. Prosperity is on this side of the line. Your divine purpose is on this side of the line. 
And calling sin, sin is not calling out people. It's calling you away from what is so detrimental and damaging to your life. Kyle, you know if Colton was running into that street right there and a semi-truck was coming down, barreling down on him, you know you're not just going to sit there and watch him and say, well, you know, I hope he figures it out. I would beat you up. I'd throw you in front of the semi. Now you'd be screaming your head off. You're going the wrong way. Death and destruction lies ahead of you. But then we have to pitter-patter around sin in the world. Well, how are they going to take it? They might think we're mean. No. We see people running towards death every day. Why are we silently sitting idly by hoping somebody else tells them there's a semi barreling down on them that's going to destroy them? It's time for the church to rise. It's time for the church to become vocal. It's time for the church to call it out for what it is because people's lives are at stake. And if it was for one person, if only one, it would still be worth it. It would still be worth it. Dysfunctions, disabilities, what people grow comfortable with. You know, the cost, the cost of false confidence is ignorance. The cost of false confidence is ignorance. I don't want to become confident in the wrong thing. We just sang that. My confidence is in your faithfulness. My confidence is in your word. My confidence is in who you. But sometimes what we do is we develop a false confidence to counteract the insecurity we feel because of the dysfunction and the disability that lies in our life. And to overwhelm that, we become confident in Ourselves, we become confident in something else. And what happens is, is we lose the very power that we have to go towards what can heal us, what can redeem us. All these individuals sitting around this body of water, waiting for the water to bubble, waiting for some angel to come down and stir the waters so they can get in the water. The first one in the water will receive their healing. And so now we, we, we put our trust and our confidence in broken systems. We put our trust and our confidence in things that, that have no power to heal us, no power to deliver, no power to set us free. So Jesus shows up. And of course, in a way that only Jesus can, in verse 6, it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, Jesus realized this. It sounds weird that Jesus realizes something, right? Doesn't Jesus just know everything, doesn't he know? But he's discovering this man has been this way for a long time. 
This isn't just an overnight thing. This isn't just, I got hurt last night, and so now I'm just soaking in my mess. This is something that this man has become comfortable with. This man has accepted. This man has conformed himself to. When he had been there a long time, he said to him, look at these words, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And this is the crux of where the dysfunction lies. Because where you see the dysfunction is not where it started. Where you see the issue is not where it started. It's deeply rooted somewhere else. But here's what I see our society doing today. We are addressing problems on the wrong level. We are addressing problems on the wrong level. Never coming to the desired result. And we blame how we address the problem in the first place for not producing the results that we want to see. If we continue to address problems on the wrong levels, we will continually come to the wrong results. Every time. Every time. What a ridiculous question to ask a man who has been lame all his life. Who has lived with a dysfunction. I mean, it's almost, you know, that, that question is so ridiculous. It's almost like, it's almost condescending. Do you want to get well? That's not what you ask a person that is in a dysfunction. Do you even want to get better? Do you even want to heal from the, do you even want your marriage to get better? Do you even want, do you even want, do you even want, as if it was a matter of his ability that's keeping him stuck where he's at. It's almost like you're blaming him for being lame. Or, at the very least, for not finding a way to get into the water. You know, all of us start thinking of scenarios. Well, man, if that were me, I'd be down right on the, on the edge of the step. I wouldn't let that stop me. I mean, you're telling me the water starts bubbling and all I have to do is just get in. I'm going to roll myself in there. I'm going to do something to get in that water. 38 years, you think you'd figure this out. 38 years, you think you would have been able to come to a resolution to this issue. 38 years of living with this dysfunction. 38 years of, of, of knowing how badly hurt and, and, and all the more that you want to do. And this is not the way life should be. 38 years of striving and pressing and pursuing and trying but this is this is the issue that Jesus is wanting to get to he says do you want to get well because the difficulty of challenging the disability becomes more painful than living with it the difficulty of challenging the disability becomes more painful than just living with the disability. After 38 years of striving, 
38 years of trying, 38 years of working, 38 years of, of trying and trying and trying. And, 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 and isn't that what we, well, I've tried to walk in love. I've tried to believe for my healing. I've tried. I've tried. And guess what? Every time you try and you don't come to the desired result, the disappointment builds time, time again to the point that eventually you won't even want to anymore. Jesus isn't asking this man, do you want to, to blame him. Jesus is asking this man, do you want to, to get? See, this man wasn't just merely crippled in his legs. He was crippled in his heart. His desire is crippled. His motivation is crippled. If I don't, if I don't even, if, if, if you aren't even in a place where you want to get healed, then what, what effort can I put forth to deliver you? He's addressing this man's issue on the level where it started, not where it's seen. If I have bad fruit, I need to check the root. I need to get down to where the problem was caused, where the issue derived. Where, and so he's getting, he's, he knows this isn't just an external issue. This is an internal issue. Why would you ask, do you want to? To a man that is obviously hurting. Why would, and so I've learned in my life that if you try to help people that don't want help, you will not get them help. Have y'all noticed that? If you try to help people that don't want help, it's futile. I need to get you to want to before we can ever see the healing and the restoration and the deliverance and the freedom. But the disappointment of trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and seeing a little bit of progress and taking one step forward but three steps back and failing and failing and failing. Over time, that begins to wear on you so much that you've lost all motivation to see the real deliverance and healing that you know God can bring in your life. And now we have to address the issue not on the surface where the symptoms are, but underneath where the real issue is taking place. What's causing the hurt and the pain? What's causing the need for validation? What's causing the lack of seeing the results in your life? Do you want to? Jesus says, do you want to? To challenge the condition is to risk disappointment. To challenge the condition is to risk disappointment. And eventually the disappointment becomes greater than the disability. Eventually the disappointment of seeing the same result time and time again becomes greater that I'll just learn to cope. I'll just learn to manage. I'll learn to conceal. I'll learn to hide. I'll learn to play the victim. 
I'll learn to, to, to get hurt and, and people will, I will draw people's attention to me in another way. If I can't get them, if I can't get their help, at least I'll get their feelings. At least I'll get their sympathy. At least I'll get them thinking about, them. at least they'll hear my voice. And every time we speak, it's got hurt behind it, pain behind it, a uh, 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 disappointment behind it. Striving to see the end result, striving to see the goal, striving to see the healing and the deliverance and the freedom that we know God wants us to walk in, but we're not achieving it the way he wants to bring it. And then the systems that we rely on keep us broken. The systems we rely on keep us broken because the enemy accommodates your sickness. He accommodates your dysfunction. He accommodates your disability. We keep people around us that make us feel better. Getting too personal in here? Before you can walk, you must want. Before I can heal crippled legs, you got to heal a crippled heart. Because if I heal your legs, but I don't, ch- I don't change your heart, you're going to take a hurting heart with new legs and still live like a cripple. I can take you out of Egypt, but the question is, can I get Egypt out of you? Will you continue to live like a slave even though you've been granted freedom? even though you've been granted deliverance. And God will never address an external issue without taking care of the internal. God will never address what's on the outside without adjusting what's on the inside. I said God will never address what's on the outside without first adjusting what's on the inside. And so if you want to just pop the pill and get rid of the pain, that's one thing. But if you want to go under and get cut and have the surgical procedure necessary so we don't have to walk in pain any longer, the recovery, the recovery time is greater. The pain is more prevalent, but it's worth it in the long run. It's worth it in the end. Let's address the issues where it really is and quit letting disappointment deter you from deliverance. Quit letting disappointment. Get back up. Get back up. Rise up. Challenge the status quo. Say, I'm not remaining this way and I'm going to try and I'm going to work and I'm going to persevere and I'm going to pursue and I'm going to see the outcome that I'm believing for. I'm going to see the answer I'm believing for. There are some messed up things in our world today that want to keep us broken, but it's time for us to rise above it identify the dysfunction, deal with the dysfunction, and so so that God can heal the dysfunction. It's time. So we have to address it where the problem truly lies. He gets to the heart. Do you want? Do you want? Verse 7, Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. This individual has gotten so uh, entrenched in his dysfunction that, that then, then rather, I mean, he's not even asking the question on the same level Jesus is asking. Jesus asked the, do you want to question? 
He didn't ask you how. He didn't ask you when. He didn't ask you what all has to take place so that you can get your healing. He asked, do you want to? And we immediately respond, well, this is how. Or this is why I am the way that I am. This is why I feel stuck. This is why. And so deliverance is on your doorstep. Now I want to point out that what he's relying upon, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. The translation I gave you, if you did not know this story at all, you would be wondering, what are you talking about? What is he talking about? Because if you notice in John chapter 5, we read verse 3, within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And then if you go to the next verse, go ahead and put the next verse up. What does that say? John 5. You can read it. It's not a trick question. John 5. What verse? No, read, read what's on the screen. John 5. Go to the previous verse. Did we skip something? What did we skip? Not a trick question. We skipped verse 4. We went from John 5, 3. There's a bunch of blame, blind and paralyzed people laying around a body of water. And then we immediately go to 5, 5, and there was one man that had been disabled for 38 years. Well, let's go to the New King James. The New King James shows us what verse 4 says. The New King James tells us in verse 4 that an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. That's verse 4. Why is it left out? Because many of the revisers and writers over time, the different versions of the Bible that we have, began to discover that that was not even historically accurate. Most scholars believe that the angel coming down and stirring the waters was actually just a myth. There was no angel that came down and stirred the waters. The water would bubble at a, at a point in time. And so they just gave it this supernatural, there must have been an angel that came down and is stirring the waters. This is how you can supernaturally get your healing. Why is this important? Because this man is relying on something that's not even true for his deliverance and for his freedom. This man has grown dependent on a myth. I wonder how many times we believe in something to deliver us that's the myth. It's not even true. It's not even real. It's not, it, that, that's just a story. And, and, and we're de, we are making our deliverance dependent on how somebody else got their deliverance. And Jesus is about to show this man that your healing is not up to some angel coming down and stirring waters. Some tantical myth and, and supernatural element. I'm about to show you what if God could heal you in a way you never thought possible? What if God could bring your freedom different than how he brought so-and-so's freedom? What if God could do something in you that we haven't even seen him do yet? What if God could bring deliverance and free? And if you would just trust in him, 
See, Jesus is about to show this man, it's not about how it happens, it's about who you know. It's about who, not how. I am about to change your life. I am about to set you free. I am about to bypass all that silly stuff you've grown dependent upon and believed in and thought it had to be this way and someone has to. I mean, look at all the, the, the rituals and the formations and, and if you get in at the right moment and, and what a mess. And on top of that, it's not even true. On top of that, it's a story. On top of that, somebody got in their idea, in their mind, that somebody stirred the waters, and I got in the water, and look at me, I got my healing. It's amazing the things that we will believe in, and then it's amazing the things we won't believe in. I I tell you what, some people have proven to me in the last year that you can believe in things you can't see. Some of y'all had the hardest time convincing that God can heal, but you have no problem believing in a virus that cannot be seen and its power and its ability to destroy you and overtake you and overwhelm you. And we listen to lie after lie after lie and myth after myth after myth. But then when I say, I get up here and by his stripes, you are healed. I don't know about that, Pastor Mark. I need to see some evidence. You need to give me some more. I need two or three witnesses. But you know, God sometimes puts healing on sickness on people to... My gosh, believe the word like you believe the world. Believe the word as easily as you receive all that garbage. I don't need to be plumbing and and, and pushing and, and prodding and driving. Believe the word. Childlike faith. People have also proven to me in this last year the effort that they will go to for their own safety and their protection. And they'll guard their face and they'll guard their bodies and they'll stay at home, but they will not guard their heart. They will not guard their mind. They will not guard their soul. They will not protect their ears and their eyes. We're covering our mouths, but we're not covering our ears and our eyes. And garbage is still coming in. It's contaminating your soul and it's destroying you far worse than any virus naturally can get on your body and do anything to you. It's tearing you apart and you don't even know it because on the inside I'm dying I'm dying and on the outside I look free oh you'll put the effort in I've seen more plexiglass in the last 12 months than I care to ever see shields and gloves and this and that do they well I don't care if they work What are you doing with your heart? Why are you sitting in front of this? Just taking in every toxic thing that they they can present to you, that they can put in your ears and your eyes, and you just swallow it, you divulge it, you just take it in. It's killing you. It's killing you. And then they offer up whatever myth of healing and whatever story and whatever tantalizing uh, supernatural element they can, and we just buy in it. Swallowing it. Come on, we're better than this. I said we're better than this. I said the church of the living God is better than this. We are better than this. 
He's believing in a myth. He's depending upon all the right things happening. And Jesus responds in verse 8. Such a simple response. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. I'm here to tell you today, your answer is closer than you think. Easier than you think. Better than you think. I'm telling you, what God wants to do in your life, how he wants to heal you, how he wants to deal with the dysfunction, how he wants, it is easier than you think. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver. He wants to bring just such an overwhelming peace to your life. If you've been walking in anxiety and burdens and depression and struggling in your mind, man, he wants to bring a peace that passes all understanding. He wants to, but, he, but the instruction is what? Guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. He keeps in perfect peace those who what? Whose mind is stayed on him. If you will do your part, notice that Jesus didn't yank him up. He gave him instruction. Get up. Take up your mat and walk. God gives instructions. Why? Because there's a part you and I play in our healing. There's a part you and I play. Take up the mat. He wants to show them. It doesn't require all that. It doesn't require all that silliness. Verse 9, instantly the mat, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. You know, I, we overestimate what we could do if we had a different scenario. And we underestimate what we could do with what we have right now. Can I just say that? We overestimate. Well, if I could get in the water, and if I could touch this, and if I could do that, and if I could hear this, and, and if the, the, the prophet would say this, and if, if they would lay in, we, we, we overestimate if we had this scenario, and then we underestimate what we can do with what we have right now. And if the enemy can't keep it from you, he will make you devalue it. If he can't keep the moment from you, he will make you think of it as little as possible. You can start taking steps toward restoring that marriage today. Today, you can take steps towards being the right father and the right mother. Today, you can take steps to turn that business around. Today, you can take steps towards seeing your healing in your body. Today, right now, right in this moment, you can do it. Take up your mat and walk. And it doesn't take the stars aligning and people doing this. Don't live at the mercy of what other people think, what other people do, what other people say. Don't bow your life to that standard. You're so much better than that. And the man picked up his mat and started to walk. Worship team, if you come. It's closer. It's better. It's easier. Jumping down to verse 14. It says, after Jesus, after this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. And this is what he says. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Do not sin anymore so that something worse 
doesn't happen to you. That's not a threat. Jesus isn't approaching the man and saying, if you mess up again, I'll make something, I'll make sure something worse happens. No, what's he saying? Don't run back to the dysfunction. Don't run back to the thing. He recognizes we got healing on the outside. But we need to take care of what's on the inside. And if you put yourself right back in the same scenarios, in the same places, and around the same people, and doing the same things, and allowing the same stuff, I don't know how many times I've seen people get victory in their lives. Maybe it's a healing. But they go right back to eating the stuff they used to eat before. They start to see progress in their marriage. But then they stop going out on the date nights again. They start seeing progress in their lives, but then they quit coming to church. We come to church when we're sick and disabled. We get a little bit better. And then we stop coming. Years ago, we adopted this saying, the church is like a hospital. The church is like a hospital. And it always bothered me, and I never knew why. The church is like a hospital. I understand what they're saying. You know, even Jesus said, who needs a doctor? The sick do. But when do you go to the hospital? When you're sick. When do you leave the hospital? while we're getting sick again. Because we're not staying in what got us free and delivered. He's letting the man know, don't go back. It's not, it's not worth it. It'll compromise everything we've just done here. I've just proven to you my power. I've just proven to you who the sun sets free is free indeed. I've just proven to you your deliverance is one command away, one instruction away, one obedient step away. But you can easily undo all that we've achieved here. Would you stand with me? I just want to take a moment, internalize what God has said, what God has spoken. I hope that this has ministered to you and you've received this on whatever level the Holy Spirit would have you receive it. But if we could, just every eye closed, head bowed. This is you and Jesus. And you're laying at the pool with our dysfunction, with our mess, with our stuff. I don't know what you came in today with. I know this about church and about pastoring. I've learned this over the years. I usually don't see people in the reality of what's happening. Maybe a phone call, maybe an email. Maybe as we get to know each other, those veils come down. I'm not telling you to just be completely transparent with everybody, of course. But the Holy Spirit knows. God knows. He knows what you've learned to accept. He knows what you've become comfortable with. He knows what you have been disappointed in. 
Some of you have tried really hard, striving, toiling, working. Now Jesus is saying, I began the work. Let me continue the work so I can finish the work. I'm working. My father's working. If you've seen me working, you've seen him working. And he cares about your dysfunction right now. He sure does. He cares even more about your deliverance, your healing, your restoration. you let him deal with it today? Would you let him have it? Holy Spirit, I thank you. Thank you for speaking to the hearts of your people, your men and your women, leaders in this room, parents in this room husbands in this room wives in this room fathers mothers employers yep employers We can't let anybody see our dysfunction or our insecurities as a leader. We feel like we have no clue what we're doing, but we can't show anybody else that. But Father, I thank you today. You're approaching us. And you're asking the same question you asked that man. You're asking the same question today. Do you want to? Do you want to? want to get better? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be the father you know you can be? Do you want to be the wife you know you can be? Do you want to be the leader you know you can be? He's seen it all. But who the sun sets free is free indeed. Just as he told that man, I've been working. I didn't give up on you. I didn't stop my work. And even when you didn't see it, I've been working. Even when you couldn't feel it, I'm still working. And even when it doesn't seem like it, where's your confidence at today? What do you believe is possible today? What do you believe God could do with your disability, your dysfunction? I'm telling you today, you can rise up. You can pick up your mat and you can walk out of here free. In an instant, in a moment. But you have to let him deal with it at the right level. on the inside, in your heart. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.